0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal-Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor. And my purpose in life is to encourage people to live positively with and through the many and varied challenges of life. Today's show is going to hit that right nail on the head. Uh, My guest today uh, is was introduced to me, first of all, by my amazing friend, uh, Phil Taylor. He's the creator of the 17 Biblical Principles of Success audio program, and I highly recommend that. And our guest today was one of the people on that uh, audio program, Dr. James Perdue. James was a a normal 19-year-old. He had the expectation of playing professional baseball. He attended Martin Methodist College in Pulaski, Tennessee, on a baseball scholarship. And uh, like a lot of young people, he had the attitude of being invisible. He was in college for two weeks and played one college game in the fall. Then unexpected tragedy came his way. On September 1st, 1983, James became a quadriplegic from playing a football game. The doctor told him, James, I'm sorry. You'll never walk again, and you might be paralyzed from your neck down. And later, that same doctor advised his family to put him in a nursing home. And when I read his accomplishments, you'll see they didn't do that, and that doctor is wrong. He's got many accomplishments. He's the author of One More Play and Persevere Past Your Paralysis, He's been profiled in the storytelling magazine, The Hero's Journey, on ABC, CBS, Fox News, NBC, Sports Spectrum, Ministries Radio. I like that one. And he was honored Top Teacher of the Week by Fox News 2005, Teacher of the Year in 2002, Coach of the Year 2006 and 2000, winning a state championship and it's going to go on for too long for this show. And also as I mentioned, a contributor to the 17 biblical principles of success. Welcome to the show today, uh, James.
1: Tom, thank you for having me on here, buddy.
0: I uh I go to people like you to, for encouragement and inspiration. Uh, I'm well known for always answering amazing when asked how I'm doing, and I need examples of people like yourself to help me with my chronic pain and illness to remember that uh, if you can do it, (laughs) then I can do it. So I'm so excited to have you on the show, and uh, you came highly recommended by Phil Taylor. So uh, I'm uh, happy about that. So as a child growing up until you are 19, talk about uh, what it was like for you. Well, again,
1: like we mentioned earlier, I was one of them that – I thought I was invincible, that nothing was going to stop me, nothing happened to me. If I had a setback, then I would just get through that and push forward, and I was one of them who just thought uh, I was going to get whatever I wanted, and that was it. <laughs> you know, I just had that attitude of, um, of, you know, working hard to get it. I mean, not that I'm saying I wanted it given to me, because I'm not, I'm not one of those, I believe you have to earn everything that you, you go after, and uh, so I just had the attitude that. Go get it, and because of you, you know, because your 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 uh, thinking, your determination, your desire that you'll succeed.
0: Right, and I can't imagine uh, like playing college football, especially especially in the U.S. is quite a big thing. And I imagine that must have been pretty exciting. You must have been pretty stoked that day and this is like a dream of yours, and then you get to play one game, and then this happens. To go from that excitement and that high to that low, uh, go through that experience a little bit because what you learned and what you went through, as well, you know, again, certainly I want, help others. I
1: wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to be a baseball player, which is my number one goal. And, you know, I was fortunate through high school. I was our most valuable player two years in a row, junior and senior year, all district, all county, all that good stuff and everything, and got a scholarship to go to college. And so I got to play one game in my baseball career. And I remember after the game was over, my mom said to come on home. Uh, She would fix dinner, and she would drive me back down to campus the next day. And I remember going, Mom, no, no. I'm going down there with all the other baseball players, and we just made the first step towards me, turning that goal of getting drafted, and uh, just looking forward to that. And uh, I even made the comment I said, you know, the way things are going, nothing can stop me. You know, oh. and after hindsight, yeah, after hindsight, you sit there and you go, you know, that's kind of like the uh, captain on the Titanic he, when he made a comment, even God himself can't sink this ship, and then mm. I tell people. Yeah, I think what I tell people that God didn't have to do anything; He had that Iceberg do it for Him. So, uh, you know, so here I am throwing the gauntlet out myself. Nothing can stop me now. And so the next day, a bunch of us at campus, uh, college, and um, we were playing a pickup game of football. We didn't have any pads or helmet on. And uh, my team had got the ball back, and I remember uh, telling my team. Uh, we've been playing for about two hours. I need to get my stuff ready for school uh, class the next day. So I walked, actually, walked out of the huddle. If I'd have kept walking, there's no telling where I'd be today. But about 10 feet from the huddle, I heard someone say, We need someone to run the ball. I stopped and turned around, and here's where the title from the first book I said, I'll come back for one more play. And so they hand the ball to me. I broke through a couple of tackles, broke through the line, scored a touchdown, and while I was putting the ball down, I was turning back towards everyone. Of course, scored a touchdown, the the play is dead, it's over with. I put the ball down, was turning, but one guy kept playing and he hit me up high and I heard a loud pop. We both went to the ground and only one of us returned to our feet and it wasn't me.
0: Wow. That guy must feel horrible.
1: Well, uh, you know, I I think he came to the hospital once to see me, I think. And the only reason I think that is I was on this striker frame with these weights attached to my head. They were stretching my neck, hoping the vertebrae would go back in place. And while you were on this uh, striker frame, you lay one hour on your stomach, and then they turned the whole bed over, and you lay two hours on your back. Then you come back and flip you again and lay an hour on your stomach. After that, flip you again. Well, there was one time I was on my stomach, and two guys come in and talking to me, so I didn't get to see their faces. But we talked for a little bit. And so here's where I think the guy may have come. That was him, one of the two. When they left, I heard the door shut. Then I heard the door open and heard someone say, I'm sorry, man, and the door shut. Hmm. So I'm a Assuming to see him again, I didn't see his face, and so if he's come shake hands with me right now i would I wouldn't know who I wouldn't know who he is unless he said something
0: Wow, wow. so so now uh, the, your parents tell us about like what are your parents thinking uh, uh what are you thinking uh, this changes things as you're nineteen years old, and
1: well nineteen you, again. I ended up growing up, had to grow up fast at that time. My dad died when I was 16, and so, and we weren't—I wouldn't say we were poor, but we were on that that dividing line between poor and, I guess, the middle class. And so, um, whenever if uh, in the winter time, if our pipes froze under the house, we had no water. I was the one that had to go underneath there and find where it froze, broke, and fix the plumbing. 'Cause we couldn't afford a plumber. Sometimes our house leaked when it rained. I'm the one who had to go up there and find the whole patch because we couldn't afford a roofer. And so I had to I learned to be the auto mechanic and everything like that. So I had to grow up fast. I mean one one reason I wanted to go do all this baseball stuff is to take you know, my mom to raise me, so I went to get her a new house, a new car and you heard of those mail order brides back in the sixties and stuff. I was gonna get her a mail order groom, you know, or something like that to help her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, things changed after that. I remember laying on that field. I knew I was paralyzed instantly. I tried to get up three times, and the only thing I left was my head. Nothing else followed. And I remember crying, and it wasn't that I'd never walk again. It wasn't that I would live and be in a wheelchair. I cried because I loved the game of baseball so much that I knew I would never play baseball again. That's sad when you put that much emotions into one thing like that, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I didn't even, I didn't even think of anything else. I just, I, I knew being paralyzed again, having invincibility. I knew I'd walk one day. I mean, it hadn't happened yet, but it's been 30 years ago, but I, I just had that in my mind. Well, I'll walk up. I'll never play baseball again, but I'll walk. So. Wow.
0: Well, that's pretty determination. And, uh, uh, I know uh, a little bit how you mean, like uh, with my arthritis, I used to, when I was young, my parents let me play all the sports, baseball, football, hockey, and, you know, we knew that the next day I would not be able to move at all without mm-hmm. the assistance of people. And uh, as the years went on, oh, now you got to give up hockey, now you got to give up baseball, and now you even got to give up ping pong, which, you know, is pretty yeah. easy to do and not too... Much body contact there and uh, crying each time. Had to give up a sport. And uh, so I can see where, right, you're playing your first baseball game, college baseball game. The first thought that would come to your mind is like, holy crap, I'm never going to get to play baseball again. So amazing. Now, you had uh, high aspirations for yourself before this happened. You said what you declared, like nothing's going to stop me now. Well, something got in the way. The Bible says that a man makes plans and God laughs. Uh, were you able to keep that determination and confidence that you had before? Or how did you develop this confidence? And uh, probably, for
1: the first, probably for the first two years, I was so driven to try to get strong again. I mean, I would try to uh, work out with weights, you know, the best I can. Uh, I actually get some leg movements back, and um, we did uh, get where I was able to stand up and walk with a walker for like 10 minutes. So I tell people I made a liar out of the doctors for 10 minutes. and just the other 23 hours and 50 minutes that he was right. And <laughs> so I uh, so, so, uh, uh, tell them that. And so for the first two years, uh, yeah, I was – Really working hard, my family's working with me and stuff. And I went to, in first five years, I guess I went to, I went to like twelve different rehabs trying to find that cure. You know, I went to the Miami Project in Florida, all the way up to one place in Pennsylvania, and, and places in between trying to find that cure. So, but in the middle of that five-year span. I can tell that I was getting depressed. It, things wasn't working like I wanted. Uh, wouldn't go as fast as I wanted. Wouldn't tell me, you know, I was stagnant. Uh, but I didn't see any, hardly any improvements as I was getting stronger. I thought. And so, for that five-year period, I tried to put a face on people, you know, let them see how happy I am, and try mm-hmm. to keep them. So I didn't, I didn't want them worrying about me, and I didn't realize how bad of a depression I was in until I finally got out of it. And when I got out of it, people were telling me, we knew you were depressed, which we saw through it. And, uh, uh, but, but I thought I was doing a good job trying to block them from my pain. And I just, uh, they, they saw through it again, like I said. So.
0: Wow. How did you get through it? I, I, I here's,
1: I lied to everybody I even lied to myself uh, after about five years and I was going to off and on to a community college uh thinking that would help me too off and on okay. and finally after five years I was I, I, I told my brothers and family my mom and and of course again lied to myself I said not that I'm quitting trying to walk but I need to put it on the back burner because uh, I need if I'm going to Accomplish anything in life, I need to go and get this degree done. And that's what I told everybody the lie. And I think by even convincing me of that lie, I think that took pressure off of me, continued from trying to go, trying to walk, which wasn't happening. Right. And so I think, yeah, I think, you know, I finally was able to open up to myself truthfully by lying to myself.
0: Right, 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 right. So you mentally, you wouldn't have to lay it down on the line that the odds are not very high. Exactly, yeah. You know,
1: I still tell people I'm still trying. Well, maybe I was or maybe I wasn't. But again, like you said, now I I can be honest with myself and, uh, you know, and I've come to the conclusion that um, I was doing pretty good and I was independent. You know, I was dressing myself then and getting in and out of car to drive and in and out of bed. And, I mean, I was, things were getting as good as it was going to get at that time, I guess.
0: Right. How do you get dressed? I know that's something I talk about when I speak. I have a sock putting on device. I have a dressing stick because I need to put my pants on the ground. And I put the hook on the dressing stick in a buckle and I pull them up and my mm-hmm. wife often has to help me get shirts on or off. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you do it? Oh, you yes. must have devices or what do you what do you do? I've always been interested about that.
1: When a um first rehab, one of the first rehabs I went to well one of the second third one I guess, but they was trying to teach me how to dress and they were trying to teach me how to dress lying in bed. And I'm a little heavier guy. I say little, I'm heavy. And uh <laughs> And me trying to reach, and my arms not as long as some six foot guy. So me trying to get the, all this stuff down there to my feet, and then having to use, like I said, a uh, um, some type of pole with a hook on it to yeah. pull the pants up as far as I can go. And then once I get it up enough, and I got these other hooks to on each side of the uh, my hips, and then I kind of roll back and forth and pull up when I get like we go to my left, I pull up on the right. On my right side, pull up on the left side. And so that was a lot of work for me. So one day I was going, because at that time I was able to stand up. So I started thinking, I went home one weekend, telling my family about how hard it is and stuff. I said, I wonder if I can just learn to dress from sitting in my wheelchair. And so then I was able to bend down, pull the pants over my feet, up my legs as far as I can get it. And then I would stand up and then pull them up and sit down. I was going... This is a lot easier <laughs> the, from doing what they wanted. Right. So I did that I did that for years until uh, one day, like you said, life happens, adversity comes back. I got bit by a brown recluse spider on the bottom of my foot, and I didn't know it until a sore uh, the size of a tennis ball was there. And, of course, they had to go in and cut all that dead tissue out and had to regrow the skin and they said, don't stand up on that because you'll break the new tissue growing. So after six months not standing, I lost the capability of standing, lost right. the strength. So now we're back to doing the in-bed stuff.
0: Right. <laughs> so at least at totally. at least, at least,
1: at least, it was a benefit that I learned how to do it so I can do it right. now.
0: Right, right. I like the creativity that having, While well, my wife calls me handy-capable. Uh, she doesn't there like the word. That's, handi- right. Yes, that's right. She doesn't like the word handicap. She says it's kind of a stigma, but she says you're handicapable. I can do most things, and I just have to do them differently. And so it's kind of interesting to me. I think it's increased my creativity because there's so many things I have to ponder you how to, I'm going to do.
1: It, exactly. You have to figure it out to do it the best that you can, and it may not be what everybody else will be doing, but if it works for you, that's what you do.
0: Right, exactly. Now, uh, so, so yeah, a, I was going to uh,
1: say, let me let me interview you for a second yeah. time. Another thing that I had to learn because I was felt I was invincible and everything. I had to learn to swallow my pride
0: oh. early,
1: early to ask for help, oh, or if right. someone would, or if someone would ask, can I do this for you? And I'll go, oh no, no, I'm all right, I'll do it. And then I'll struggle for 20 minutes when they could have done it, you know, in two minutes <laughs> for me. Holy
0: cow, James. I I've, learned this I've one. To... Go ahead. Yeah, I've learned this as well. Like for the first, like, 20 years of my life or 25, I was so independent. And you no, know, I wouldn't ask for help. I wouldn't let people help. And finally one day, I think it was in church, I realized that God was, but people love to help other people. And if I didn't ask when I needed help or let people help me, I was depriving them of a good that's work that God had prepared for them to do. That's right.
1: And someone told me one time, they said, you're robbing me for my blessing.
0: Ooh. Right. That's what,
1: that's what, that's what someone told me. Because I said, all oh, I can do it. And they go, you're robbing me for my blessing. And I go, hmm, all right, let's bless away then.
0: <laughs> yeah, go nuts, right? <laughs> go crazy. Right. I want to bless you, so. <laughs> and that was so, the same. I've been I've been married nine years, and when it first started, I was like, No, I can do this. I can put my socks on. I can get dressed. Don't worry. And then eventually, my wife helps me. And as you said, instead of taking ten minutes to do something, let her do it in one minute. And. Yep. It's always nice and builds a little bit of a bond when some person helps another person. So that's a that's a tough thing to learn. But in your position, you really didn't have too many options about that one. Do what? Uh, Yeah. No, I talk about your face. Talk about your face, uh, uh, James. Uh, Did you love the Lord before this happened? Were you swearing at him after it happened? Uh, How did you sustain yourself through this? Uh, How did you get over the periods of depression you might have had? Faith has to do with all those things.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, And I was not a Christian before this happened. So when I talked about being invincible and I was going to do all this, it was – I never thought about that God gave me the talent or the gifts to do all this. It was because I had the desire, I had the hard work, I had determination. So it was all about me, me, me. Um I grew up and went to church but I didn't get saved. I didn't I mean I went just because mom and dad made me, not because I wanted to learn. I wanted to be on that baseball field. And so after I got hurt, then I started questioning some things and I don't know if I really question why did this happen to me, but I was wondering, you know, I was just playing a simple game of football. Why did this happen? You know, it's not like I was drug dealing and got shot somewhere or something. And and I had two people that uh, were, I don't know if you call them religious or spiritual, or but they they consider themselves Christians. Okay, and one guy, one time, he told me the reason that God did this to me was to show that He had control over me, and to show that uh, I better pay attention to Him. I'm going, what? I hmm. said, I said, I want to know a loving God, a caring God, one who's going to pick me up when life kicks me in the teeth. I don't want to know one that inflicts pain. Like He's telling me, He's showing He had control over you. I said, well, "Why can't he broke my pinky first, and then let me learn my lesson, and then <laughs> Dr- drastic? Not why we well, not just this all of a sudden." And uh, to need to say, I didn't become a Christian because that guy there was—I uh, I, I would come out and call him a false prophet uh, right. for what he's trying to push. And the other one, one time uh, when I was going to school, uh, working my bachelor's degree, I had this roommate named Jim. Mm-hmm. And Jim, he he was born with cerebral palsy, and Jim was in love with Cindy. Cindy was an able-bodied girl, nice-looking girl, um, worked in the bookstore at the uh, university. And one day, you know, if you didn't see, if you didn't see Jim in class, he was at the bookstore because he was in love with Cindy. One day I go there, and sure enough, he's there. And when I got there, she was trying to explain to him why he was in a wheelchair, and she was using her. Christian beliefs, and I go, wow, this is cool. I got here just in time. I'd love to know why we're in wheelchairs. And she said that we were in wheelchairs because of our sins. I said, what? Yeah, because to to your sins, you're in a wheelchair. I said, no, nah, I don't know a lot about the Bible, and I'm not a Christian, and I know you are. I said, but doesn't the Bible says we've all sinned? I said, so <laughs> all of us be in wheelchairs. And then she said, well, you, y'all sin worse than we have. And I go, huh? What do you mean? I can't. Well, then Jim wakes up out of his delusional love state, and he says, wait a minute. I was born like this. I didn't have time to sin. Well, Cindy had an answer for this one. You're like you are because you're paying for your mom and dad's sin.
0: What? Why? Oh, cool. now, I know in the
1: Old Testament says, you know, Dad and mom is not responsible for their children's sins, whereas, same thing, children are not responsible for mom and dad's sins. And I said, Man, I don't know about this stuff and everything, but I believe you're a witch. <laughs> and so I, I left from there, from her. So I ended up becoming a Christian in 2000, year 2000. I was 35, 38, something like that. And, um, Oh, shoot, Uh, Billy Graham was coming in to our uh, Titan Stadium in Adelphi's Coliseum then. And so I went to go listen to him and he had the invitation. I went down and got saved then. Wow,
0: amazing, amazing. Uh, Now, uh, you've done a lot since you've ended up in a wheelchair. You've accomplished a lot. You've been featured in a lot of places. At some point, did you... Have to decide that this is not the end of me. Like, I am going to go on and I love teaching. I love sports. Uh, I'm going to do whatever I can do in the condition I'm in to make a difference in the world because you've done a lot of things, as I said, since the wheelchair.
1: Well, appreciate that, Tom. Uh, I really loved uh, sports. So, one reason I went into teaching is so I can coach. And uh, that's that's one of you know the main reason then, and uh, would tell people I, uh, I would hardly take any excuses from our players because uh, I would go uh, if you've had a little headache or you stumped your toe mm-hmm. you can be here at practice you know because I I've had a lot of stuff I had to do to get here and I know you didn't have as much as I had to do so I very, took very few excuses and everything like that but that's the reason most I got into teaching was to coach, um, wow. But again you know we talked talked earlier about the Again, and here I am. Fifteen years of teaching and coaching, everything's going well. I've gone back to school, working my doctoral degree. Uh, about that time is when that uh, spider bite happened. About that same time, and also again, life came and hit our family in the teeth. That my younger brother, we knew he was an alcoholic, and he was one of those functional alcoholics. He'd work all day, but then he'd drink all night. Uh, but he'd get up and go to work the next day. Well, his health had gotten bad. We finally talked to him and went to the hospital to get looked at. And the doctors told him that if he kept drinking the way he was, they'd give him 10% chance of living five years. All right. During that time, then, is when I got the spider bite. And then I had to learn to redress and everything uh, differently. I couldn't stand. And sometimes I couldn't get in bed by myself. And so I'd have to get help. But the doctors told my younger brother, When they were evaluating him that he had a hernia and a bleeding ulcer. And they told him, because he was a mechanic, he said, well, being a mechanic, don't lift anything heavy with that hernia and your ulcer. One night I couldn't get into bed. My young brother had to call him to come help me in. And he helped me in bed. And later that night, my mother called. He died. And I felt responsible for his death because I couldn't get in bed by myself, because the doctor said for him not to get it, pick up anything heavy. So I felt responsible. I went to that depression state real bad, and I actually attempted suicide uh, three times in three days to get out of here. Oh. And the last time, um, someone came by and found me in my, in my van taking carbon monoxide poisoning in, and they said I wasn't breathing when they got there, and they called paramedics, and the paramedics Uh, revive me and say probably 10 more minutes, I would have been dead.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my
1: again, again, life comes unexpectedly and really gets you uh, sometimes. So during that time, of course, you know when you live, they make you see a psychiatrist. And so here I am seeing a psychologist and everything for a year, and uh, he's the one that had had advised me, you know, you've been through a lot, you've conquered a lot, you've, uh, you know, you know, i done a lot successful. He says, I think you need to get into speaking and writing books and stuff like that, that you're going to touch more people than just staying in your own town. And so that's how I end up getting into the speaking and talking. And one big thing that he really drove to me is don't look at it as your brother died that night from helping you. Look at it with the Bible. It says that when someone lays down their life before they have a friend, you know, that's just the ultimate gift. And think of this—he wanted to help you. He was being blessed by helping you, and it just happened to be his turn to go. And so, going back biblically made me feel better to understand uh, that being cor- correct.
0: Right, but at the time, like even when I just heard it now, I-, I was in a little state of of shock as to like, oh my God! Like you must have had like a hundred times that state of shock and and responsibility.
1: He he died in in October, two weeks before he turned 38. And that October, and it was February, actually it was that Super Bowl Sunday uh, weekend is when I tried to kill myself. Uh, So, first day I I took a bunch of pills, uh, Sudafed, because it says on the box, make all drowsiness, don't operate heavy machinery, drive a car. So, I took... Forty-eight pills in three minutes, and thinking I'll just go to sleep and that'd be it. And all I did was get a bad headache. <laughs> so <laughs> here's where God was at work, you know. Forty-eight pills should kill people. Uh-huh. And uh, of course, you know, you take two of those pills four times a day, something like right. that. So you're talking only eight pills, in a well, two, four, six, yeah, eight pills in a whole day, and I took forty-eight. You know, ten times the amount and um well maybe not ten times four times but um hey uh if you
0: take if you take 48 of anything almost you should die
1: yeah and so god was working that that day the very next day and i'd already that day had wrote my letter for my mom and my brother i didn't put two thousand dollars cash in an envelope and put it in the mailbox because I didn't know what was going to happen, all that stuff. I didn't want to lay around in the house. So there's 2,000 cash going in the mail to my mom to help her until they situate everything. And so then the very next day it was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, that's when the Patriots are playing the Giants, and the Patriots are 17 and 0, going for that undefeated season. And I took uh, called the pharmacist and said, I said, ah, oh, having terrible sleeping, what do you recommend? And they said, um, Benadryl. And so all I had was enough to buy one pack of Benadryls because I put all my money and credit cards and debit cards uh, in the mail to my mom. And so the next day I bought one pack of uh, Benadryls, took all of them, and all I did was sleep and miss the Super Bowl and woke up. (laughs) So again, God was working again. And the next day, again, sending someone to my house you know 10 minutes before i was dead so definitely god has a plan for us and uh we're not through until we're, we're not through here uh helping inspiring motivating encouraging others until god tells us it's time
0: amen 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 and so what a great advice from that guy who said to start talking and writing books because you hit a you can help way more people than just in your own hometown. And so that turned out to be really good wisdom from uh, from your friend there. And uh, you're doing that. And uh, 17 Biblical Principles of Success program is part of that. Your books, uh, I want to get those. One more play and persevere past your analysis. What's your website, uh, James? I should have done that earlier.
1: Uh, it's dot. Uh, it is jamesperduespeaks.com. dot com.
0: Purdue P-E-R-D-U-E.
1: P-E-R-D-U-E, yes.
0: Uh so uh now after you uh and that's a thing that the depression story is that depression's not only just a one time thing and different events can set it off at different times. And so you got through depression a few times in your life. Uh there must have been times during those first few years where you know, you just didn't want to try anymore. You just wanted to give up. Like, what was the? Was there a spark, or was there a Bible verse, or there was there something where God said, like, no, like you have skills and talent. You're still here. I kept you here. Get out and and you know make something of your life.
1: Again, the first few years, I wasn't a Christian then, but again, I knew that uh, being alive, that uh, again. I even I was on one of the news stories here in my home state and hometown and and um I just remember saying uh this is not baseball, but it's a new game for me, and I'm here to conquer this one, and I'm out to win and so I was using it just shifting my determinations towards walking as if I was playing baseball, and that's a same speech my brother gave. I wasn't what you would call. I tell people it's a shame that you know, someone like me can get a doctoral degree. I said because in high school, when people hear I got a doctorate, they kind of laugh and don't believe me because I only had a 2.0 a C average in high school. And I said that's because I just didn't try. I just need to stay eligible to play sports. Just enough to get through is all I need. And so I remember my brother when I told him I was going to go back to school and try to get my degree. He's the one to come back with the wisdom and said. Well, you remember all the hard work and determination you had for baseball? Now you need to focus it this way with your studies. And he's the one that, you know, referred me back to that again.
0: Nice. Nice. Good to have a brother like that.
1: I'm a a, a firm believer that um, there's three – got to have three things uh, to – Break any challenge or adversity in life to be successful, or to override, overrun, and, and beat it. And one of them, I believe, you got to have God in your life. Is what I believe. Uh, for ones that don't believe in that, then you can jump to number two, which I believe you got to have a strong family support and strong friendship supports. Uh, of again, the you uh, you wouldn't believe over the years what my family sacrificed so they can make sure that I would get my degree or trying to walk again. I mean, here I am going to 10 different rehabs, 20 different rehabs and here they are help driving me back and forth and knowing they're not getting any money or not getting anything out of it except the blessing of helping to see what would happen. And so I I know if it wasn't for God, my family and strong friends that uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I know that.
0: Amen. Amen. And uh and throughout our adversity, God gives us various blessings to help us get get through those adversities, for sure. Now, I'm a book reader. I love books. Uh, what books have encouraged you, have given you hope uh, that you could recommend? Uh, let's say the Bible's number one. We'll both agree on that
1: one. We'll both agree on that one. And uh, our friend Phil R. Taylor, uh, he recommends your Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich. And he actually sent me a copy of it a few years ago when I read it, and so hey, that man. that would be that would be up in the top. Um, I like reading a lot of, um, I guess, based on true stories, uh, okay. people that's overcome adversity. So I I've read of uh, Nick Verichek. check yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Hard yeah, to pronounce that name. Yeah, got his book, you
1: know, uh, Life Without yeah. Limits or something like that.
0: Yeah, and yeah.
1: I have his book and stuff, but I just got another book that Phil recommended to me the other day. just came in yesterday, Um, The Magic of Thinking Big.
0: Oh, David Schwartz, I think is the author. Yes, it is. David Schwartz, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm anxious to start that one today. That's a classic written a long time ago. I just listened to it on an audio book again recently, and... uh, Very, very good thinking in there. So between the Bible, think and grow rich, and the magic of thinking big, you are set for life. You don't have to read anything else. (laughs) I
1: was going to say, I'm reading this other book. I don't know if you've met her, Deb Scott. No. Deb Scott, she's got a uh, blog radio show, and um, her book is called Sky is green and the grass is blue, turning your (laughs) upside down world right side up.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a good
1: one. That her book was pretty good, yeah. So I I, I like yeah reading. I read another one. I keep thinking the name of it right now. I can't see the book right here. But it's by I think Brian Tracy. Had one out. I think it was him, and it was about positive thinking. But I keep thinking the name of the book.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love anything on positive thinking. I have another one. Uh, I interviewed, read his book. Kyle Maynard, uh, born without arms and legs. He's uh, he won thirty six, I think, wrestling matches in uh, in high school. How do you win a wrestling match no arms and no legs? Well, if you knock someone off their feet, you get a point. If you don't have any feet, you can't get knocked off them. So there's one way <laughs> you have an advantage and. You know, if someone's messing around down your feet with no legs, they can probably knock you over a few different ways. And he developed some kind of a submission move with his coach, and he was able to lock that in enough times. Two guys he he beat went on to become state champions. Oh, he's also climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and there's pictures of him climbing. He wasn't carried, and like right yeah. here, I can't I can't do stairs without a banister. So this guy is uh, hey. amazing. <laughs> so uh you and i like books like that because we're like wow that guy is tough and i can do that i can be as tough as him And so those kind of things people like yourself they're what motivate and encourage me that okay people in life have gone through worse and done better so stop whining and get out there and make an impact on the world positive impact
1: i tell you one little story is. um I remember going to a rehab when I first got out of the hospital and went to a rehab in Birmingham, Alabama. And I remember saying, here's where I learned the lesson, that you can look at people worse than you but don't think they're worse than you. Uh, and you can't – you don't want to you don't want to cheerlead that you're better than them, but you don't want to self-doubt yourself when someone else is better than you. Um, because I met one guy that couldn't move his neck down at all. And I did gain arm movement and stuff with me. And again, eventually, I was able to stand. But then, while I was in the rehab, I saw one guy couldn't move at all. But then I saw this other guy stand up in front of me wearing those halos uh, embedded into his neck, uh, his, his skull, or his cranium to keep his neck stabilized. And I'm going, so first I'm thinking, wow, I'm better than him. Then I'm going, whoa, I'm worse than him. And so I learned then you can't compare yourself with other because everybody's different. But you can uh steal their positivity to help you out when they're doing so good
0: right right feed off their positivity and feed off yeah. their accomplishments so well that's a, that's an amazing way to to get through a lot of things you take positivity from uh, the worst and the best, and how they get through it. And so, amazing. So, remember, people, it's uh, what? JamesPurdueSpeaks.com, right? P E R D U E? Correct. And the books are One More Play and Persevere Past Your Paralysis. Uh, you're doing God's work, uh, James. Uh, you're impacting a ton of people, myself and Phil Taylor included. And uh, keep up uh, the amazing work You're, you know, an inspiration to many people. And uh, just having the authenticity even just to admit about the periods of depression. Uh, when I speak and I admit that, I get people weeping, big guys, men, uh, coming up to me after and thanking me for, you know, admitting that someone is positive as I has actually gone through periods of depression. And so it's mm-hmm. the authenticity to talk about that and the challenges you've overcome. Um, I'm sure you're probably, you're probably like me. I've had lots of people in life where, when I work jobs, that would be like, Tom, I didn't want to come to work today. I you was know, this or that or sore or this and that, but I thought of you, so I'm here. And so uh, that's a lot of the effect you're going to have on people. Like well, you said with your... Uh, coaching. You didn't take a lot of excuses because yeah, it took you a lot longer to get there than that guy did. And uh so yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your contribution to the Seventeen Biblical Principles of Success program. And uh many, many blessings to you, James. Well
1: Tom, thank you for everything and again, thank you for what you're doing to inspire and encourage and motivate and show your godly Uh, wisdom through to everybody as well, because again, uh, I was told this a long time ago, whether you know it or not, people are watching, and you don't have to know it, but they're watching.
0: Right. Amen. Thanks so much, James. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio.
1: If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtotall.com for details.